Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, everybody. This is Pastor Ted Payton, Grace Through Faith Worship Center. For our Bible study this evening, let us pray. Father, we just thank you for another day. Lord, we just thank you because you are a good God all the time. And we just come today to lift up your name and to study your word and to see what it is that you have for us. Lord, we just thank you for this fellowship. We thank you for everyone that's listening. So as we go forth in your word today, we pray that you will open our eyes and ears to see and hear what it is that you would have for us. So in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. This is Pastor Ted Payton, Grace Through Faith Worship Center, this evening with your Bible study. For those of you that may want to send us an email or have a question, let me give you our email address, contact information at GTF Worship Center, G-T-F-W-O-R-S-H-I-P-C-E-N-T-E-R at gmail.com, GTF Worship Center at gmail.com. So, today I want to talk about, and I don't want to get political and I don't want to go there, but I want to talk about the church. And this is something that was on my heart Sunday as I began to talk about it to a, uh, a degree. Uh, talking about the call of God on the church, the Great Commission. Um, for starts, let's go to Matthew, the 10th chapter, I believe. Matthew 10, and starting at the first verse. And I just want to talk about that and the state of the church today. And it says this, And when he had called unto him twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, this is what Jesus did. Jesus himself called his 12 disciples together, and he gave them power again. The first thing, unclean spirits. Unclean spirit. He gave them power. That means that when they went out to minister, they had dominion over any and all unclean spirits. He gave them power against unclean spirits, and he gave them the ability to cast them out. Okay, now not only do I have power over them, I have power to cast them out. He gave me a power against unclean spirits, comma, to cast them out. And what else? To heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, this tells me that we as Christians, based on the great commission that God has given us, we should have certain abilities. Now, I believe that when God gave this to the 12 disciples, he also gave it to us today. It, it's the same thing. Because the Bible says what? When he gave them power. Now, and he gave them power against unclean spirits. The Bible says in Acts that on the day of Pentecost, 
and ye shall have power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall have power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, another thing that we find is this. It says that, and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Now, we know that all sickness and diseases, some people may not agree with this, all sickness and diseases are of the devil, are of the devil in the sense that it is as a result of the fallen world. It is as a result of what took place in the Garden of Eden. Sickness and diseases, that's where it originated. So we have power against all unclean spirits and to cast them out. And many times where there is a sickness or a disease or an infirmity or uh, or a mental situation where you call bipolarness, this sickness or disease is as a result of an unclean spirit that would possess a person or that is up on a person, that is on them, in them, possessing them, however you want to put it, that is influencing that person. So when you have people that have issues with uh, personalities and split personalities and things of that nature, it can be as, maybe not all the time, but it can be as a result of unclean spirits. Because what we found out is this. The time that Jesus had gone upon the mountain of transfiguration in the Bible, I'm using these Bible accounts now, so that I'm not talking about my personal uh, accounts with this, but I'm talking about the biblical accounts, because so many times we can have personal experiences and we want to make doctrine out of our personal experiences, but it should be that the doctrine is created by what God did in his word. And our personal experience may vary a little bit from what happened in the word as the way we understand it or the way it went down. So for my safe to sakes and being correct about how I articulate what I believe the Bible says about it, I use the example of what happened in the Word of God, because that is documented, it is said, and we can leave it at that. When Jesus went up to the mountain of transfiguration with a few of his disciples, and he was coming back down, then there was a man with a son that had been sick, and he was possessed. He was possessed of devils to the degree that he would throw himself into the fire. He would cut himself, and he would do all kind of crazy things. In other words, the guy was crazy. He was demon-possessed, okay? He was demon-possessed. And the man brought his son and said, Jesus, you know what? Um, you know, I know that you are healing. You can cast out devils, and I know that you commissioned your disciples to do this, but... Your guys, they could not get my son healed. And Jesus attended to the situation, and to some degree he scolds his disciples. He said, look, how long am I going to be with you guys and show you a rope, and you don't get it. But anyway, Jesus scolded his disciples a little bit, and he continued, and Jesus did what? He cast the devil, the evil spirit, unclean spirit, out of the man's son, and the man's son was healed and he became whole. Now, we've been empowered to do this, and this sounds very much like what we call the gospel. Now, what did Paul say about the gospel? 
What did Paul say about the gospel? He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Okay, the gospel. Let's go to that scripture. Uh, that scripture, I believe, is in, I think it's maybe in Romans. The one I'm looking for, I believe, is in Romans. Uh, let's see. For I am not ashamed. Let's the Romans, the first chapter, in the 16th verse. Now, this is what Paul says. This is what Paul says. He says, I, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Colon. For I'm reading from the King James by King James, by the way. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. It is the power. The power is in the gospel. The power is in the gospel. And Paul goes on to say that the gospel is not complete until it has been preached and demonstrated. In other words, Paul is saying that it is one thing to preach a good preach and get your preach on, but once you do that, you have to demonstrate the power of God, or God wants us to demonstrate his power. He wants to demonstrate his power. To demonstrate his power. Now, my point, getting back to my original point of what I was talking about Sunday and what I want to talk about now with the body of Christ in the church, when Jesus' disciples went about doing, I believe that up until that point, even when his disciples could not cast out this demon and this boy because of unbelief, the Bible tells it was unbelief, um, that they had had 100% success. Everything that they had put their hand on, they were successful, and they had never failed at doing what Jesus had commissioned them to do. So they ran into this buzzsaw and they couldn't get it done. But anyway, Jesus called them. And probably from there they picked it up and kept going, and they were successful. And even after the day of Pentecost, you know, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts, then they were absolutely successful. They continued to do what God called them to do. You notice that they went about the countryside preaching and teaching the gospel. They even ran up against the politicians after the day of Pentecost in Acts, where they would go out and preach and teach the gospel. And this is even how Paul and Silas got in trouble because they were out preaching and teaching the gospel. They had come across this lady that was, again, uh, told in an evil spirit. She was um, giving words of knowledge, but it was, the, the, it was divination. It was coming from the devil. And the people complained that Jesus, they had cast the devil out of this lady. Then she could no longer prophesy, could no longer do the divination. So they lost their money that they were getting from her being able to do that. And they had Paul locked up and Silas locked up, and then we know the rest of the story from there. Paul and Silas planned in the jail, and eventually the jail shook and people got saved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But my point is, when the gospel goes forth and with the commission that God has given the church, I don't see anywhere whereby the disciples nor Jesus went to the establishment 
the law, the governor, the politicians, to get them to do anything to make their job easier. My point is this. I know we have a lot of Christians, and we definitely don't agree on everything, and I don't think it's necessary that Christians agree on everything. I think it's just necessary that they agree upon the main thing, something where there's disagreement, it's okay, and it doesn't, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't stop the gospel from going forth, so it's okay if you don't agree on everything. It's not necessary, but we ought to continue to walk in love and, and learn to agree to disagree. But within the body of Christ, even in America today, even going back, when you look at certain public policy, when you look at uh, laws that's on the books, when it comes to those things that may be moral or immoral, I find that, and I'm not saying that we should not stand up for what is right. We absolutely should. As Christians, the Bible tells us to come out from among them and be separated. It tells us that our lifestyle should reflect who we are. It should reflect Christ because our duty is to become more and more like Christ. But what we must understand, and I'm saying this because the other day I read that there were some people that was for the current administration that's now in office. There were some evangelicals, some ministers or whatever, and there was one evangelical pastor that um, uh, quoted that I, I, I was looking at what he had said in regards to what happened with the election. He was saying that this person that's now our leader of the free world would be able to remove some barriers for the church. Now, and I'm not quoting it because I don't have it in front of him, but in essence saying that now that we have someone in there that is so-called, quote, a man of God, well, that can be debatable, but, but someone, whether a man of God or not, is there that's going to remove some barriers that will allow the church to go forward and do some things in the public sector. Some things like, well, you know, we've been against abortion a long time, so we got somebody that's against that, so they're going to help us strike that down so we can begin to reach people. Well, we're, we're against uh, same-sex marriage, so this guy's going to speak against that, so now they're going to kind of like block that or cause some stumbling about now that we can begin to reach people. So uh, we got people that uh, don't believe in uh, all of this alternative lifestyles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, my Bible tells me, and when I look at what the Word of God says, now I look at the life of Jesus, which Jesus came to be our example of what we should do and what our life should be like when we go about our daily lives. Jesus lived and demonstrated to us what our life should be like. So when Jesus came up on someone that was in sin, and we see a couple of occasions in the Bible where that happened. One was the lady that was found, that was being stoned, that, that was found in adultery. And they were getting ready to stone her, and Jesus began to write on the ground, and he said that though that person without sin, we're going to start with you. you. If you don't have any sin in your life, you can cast the first stone. And Jesus began to write on the ground. Who knows what he wrote, but... He says, if you don't have any sin, then you can go ahead and catch the first stone. Let's get this thing on the road. Let's 
kill this lady because if you don't have any sins, cast the first stone and we will go from there. And we know the rest of the story. No one cast a stone. People dropped their stones to the ground and they walked away. And Jesus looked around and said, where are your accusers? Where are those people that was ready to kill you a few minutes ago? And the lady says, well, you know, they are gone. And Jesus said, well, you're free to go. Neither do I condemn you as well. And not only that, go and sin no more. Jesus showed mercy. Jesus said himself, I don't come to condemn anyone. I didn't come to condemn, but I came to save the world. And I believe that where we're missing it today when it comes to the body of Christ and the church, I believe what we're missing today is we have people that's insisting on using the Ten Commandments, which is the law, or which to me would be symbolic, and maybe this is just the way I explain it, to me is walking in religion as opposed to walking in the gospel, the power of Jesus Christ. In other words, you can be religious and tell somebody the do's and don'ts about what, how to please God, or you can be someone who walked in the power and anointing of God, understanding the new commandment about love that Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, and teach other people by introducing them to Jesus. I can go out and condemn somebody for having an abortion, or I can go out and introduce that person that may have had that abortion to Jesus. I can go out and condemn someone for passing a law to do that, or I can go out and introduce them to Jesus. How do you do that? Well, Jesus said it's, the Bible says that it's by love that people are drawn to God. People come to Jesus because it is explained to them that he's such a great lover. He's such a great person that just loves them wherever they are. Jesus is a person that loves us even when we are in the middle of our sin. And the reason why I know that is because the Bible says that Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. Jesus died for us while we were still out sinning. He died for us while we were in in the middle of our mess. He died for us knowing that we were in the middle of our mess. But he was saying that if you will come to me and give me a chance, then I can wash away all that stuff that you are dealing with, all that sin stuff. You know, if you just come to me like you are, come to me covered in sin. Just come to me in the middle of your mess. Come to me in the middle of your gay and lesbian lifestyle. Come to me in the middle of the fact that you just had an abortion. Just come to me, and I have the ability to forgive all of that. In fact, my love for you is so great that nothing that you can do in this life is more powerful than what I have, more powerful than my blood, and the remedy that I have for you. If the body of Christ, if the evangelicals, if we that call ourselves the people of God would get the revelation that what we need to do is to introduce those people who we are condemning and judging to Jesus, 
If we just introduce them to Jesus, how do we introduce them to Jesus? We just tell him, tell them about him. Do you know the man who died on Calvary? Have you heard of this man? This man that is now, I've been told by the word, that is now in heaven sitting on the right hand of God, interceding for me before God. Everything that I have done wrong, he's there to just wipe it clean because he loves us so. He's there making intercession for us, even while I'm in the middle of my mess. If I would just come to him, he would take me and just wash me clean. You see, the fact is this. We need to tell those people that we are condemning that not only will he do it, he's already done it. Jesus is only going to die on the cross once. He's already done that. So if he died once, then he's not going to die again. So that means that your sin has already been paid for. I don't need to start with discussing with somebody about their lifestyle in order to bring them to Jesus. All I need to ask them is that, do you know the man? Have you heard of this man called Jesus? Well, if you hadn't heard of it, let me tell you about it. You know what? My life was this way. I was lost. I was in despair. I was hopeless. And someone told me about a man named Jesus. And I opened up my heart and accepted that man called Jesus. And when I accepted that man toward Jesus, it did something to the inside of me. It changed me. I cannot explain to you what happened. All I know is that all the heavy burdens that I had in my life were lifted. All I know is that I just began to sense there was something different about me. And then I began to read about this man. I began to study about this man. And I come to find out that the blood that he had shed for me, hallelujah, the blood that he had shed for me had come into my life, and it had lifted me. And that's why the song that says, love lifted me. Yes, the love of Jesus will lift anyone out of any situation. We don't need to go to Capitol Hill to get someone to help us remove barriers because the gospel of Jesus Christ is that power that can remove anything. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to a mountain and tell that mountain to be cast into the sea, and it will happen. No person can do that. But the power of Jesus Christ in our life can, and it will, and it is waiting. The earth is groaning now. For the body of Christ, for those people who call themselves Christians to step forth and walk within the power and anointing that God has given us so that the world might see Jesus, so the world might experience Jesus. Because if we take our testimony that said, I was lost, but now I'm found, if we take that to a dying world, no, don't go to the dying world telling them about themselves. They already know that they are sinners 
A sinner know that they are sinners. We don't need to tell someone that they are a sinner. We don't need to tell anyone that because they already know that. Tell them something that they don't know. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know the capabilities of Jesus. And when we begin to share the good news, the gospel, the gospel is good news. Bad news don't get anyone saved. If you die today, do you know where you will go to heaven or hell? Well, who wants to go to heaven? I don't know anything about heaven. How do I don't want to go there? Have you been there? Have you been there? Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me, tell me about this man, Jesus. Well, let me just tell you about him. And as you begin to share your relationship with Jesus to someone that does not know who Jesus is, or they may know his name, but they don't know him. As you begin to talk, the Bible says that no man can come to Christ except God draw them. And as you begin to share the gospel, the Holy Spirit will begin to grip their hearts, and it will change that stony heart into flesh. And their heart will begin to just respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as the gospel begins to respond to the, as they begin to respond to the, to the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, then they can be born again. And then Jesus can say, now that you've accepted me, and now that you have allowed me to come into your heart, and you in me, now we can talk about the issues of life. Because what? Now you have been empowered to walk away from anything that's not like Jesus. You can walk away from it. Why? Because and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The problem with evangelicals and religious folks today is they are trying to deal with people about the things of the kingdom without the power necessary to do it. You have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to be a witness for Christ. And until we come and get ourselves empowered with the baptism in the Holy Spirit and allow that power in us and his word to come alive in those people that we're trying to reach, we never will get the job done. But let me suggest to you that when you go in the power of the Holy Ghost, when you go in the power of the Holy Spirit and speak forth the word of God, the word that you speak are life, and the word that you will speak will not fall on deaf ears. The words that you speak, they will sow a seed into the heart of the people. They may not accept Jesus the first time you talk to them. But when you plant a seed, that seed will come forth one day. And it will produce the life that it has been designed to produce in the life of the unbeliever. And someone else at some point in time will come along and see that seed has matured in that life, and they will nurture that seed, and they themselves at that point in time will see the fruit of that seed come to bear. 
It may take a day. It may take a week. It may take years before that seed produced the fruit in the life of that person that has been sown. But the fact is, the Bible says that God's word, and in Mark, the fourth chapter, God's word is the seed. God's word will not go out and come back void. So that means that we as Christians, when we witness to someone, we may not see the harvest of that witness the very moment we do it. Just because you talk to somebody about Jesus don't mean that they're going to accept him right there, but you have sown the seed in their heart. And when that seed began to come forth whenever time later, and it began to grow in their life and grow in their life, and it began to produce fruit, then at some point that fruit is going to come forth and they will walk right into the kingdom. Why? Because God's word does not go out and come back empty-handed. It is by the power of God that we do the bidding of of the kingdom. So when Jesus told his disciples, look, you guys go out, I'm going to give you the ability to cast out demons, the power over evil spirits, to heal the sick, I may go and witness to someone that may be sick. God can totally raise them up and heal them. And they would never accept him at that very point. But at some point in time, with that seed being sown into their life, they're going to make a circle and come back and say, oh, you know what? I didn't accept God then, but it had to be God that healed me. And God, you healed me, and I'm, I'm deciding to come to you to let you finish the rest of my life that's in repair. The rest of my life that's in repair. So what I'm saying is this. We as the body of Christ, evangelicals, whatever you want to call yourself, what you need to do is to get empowered with the Holy Spirit. Allow the love of God to be full in your life. And then we can go back to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, starting at the first verse. What does it say? That we, let's just turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and the first verse. Let me just turn there. Let's just read it. Because I want to make certain that we get it verbatim. Ephesians 4 and 1 says this. I, therefore, this is Paul speaking, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. What vocation are we called to? Verse 2, worthy of the vocation where we are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That means that we don't have to have the last word. Meekness, that means that it's okay to let somebody walk on you now and then. You don't have to argue your point down. Long-suffering, that means that even as you witness to people, they may not come then. Hang in there with them. Hang in there with them. Walk with them. Long-suffering, walk with them. It may take a while. Forbearing one another in love, come on. They may not do everything you like them to do like you want them to do. Hang in there with them. Love on them. Walk with them in love. Show them patience. Show them that just because they continue to do things wrong that you love them anyway. Don't condemn them. 
They already condemned. Don't condemn them. Show them love. As we walk in love, we can now begin to win this world back for Christ. What we need is the power of the gospel. Not some person somewhere that might do something in public policy that that they would consider making it easier. It takes the Holy Spirit to change the heart of a man. Not condemnation. It takes Holy Spirit to change the heart of a man. And we need to demonstrate it by our love. By our love. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you give us the power. You give us the power. You have empowered us. And, Lord, we thank you that we just need to know what your word says so that we can go out demonstrating in power what you have done for us and who you are in us, and that we just share the gospel, the gospel that says that what you did for us on that cross so that other people can become jealous of the life that you've put into one person and see them come from nothing to where they are, knowing that it's only by your grace that they've done it, that the world began to see it and become jealous and curious enough to ask the question, what happened to you? I'm glad you asked. It's that man Jesus. It's that man Jesus that someone told me about one day. It's that man Jesus that someone demonstrated to me that day. It's that man Jesus that healed my body when I didn't know how I was going to make it. It's that man Jesus that gave me a place to stay when I had nowhere, no way to know where I was going to stay the next day. It's that man Jesus that allowed me to have food on my table when I didn't know where the next meal was coming from. And as I investigated this man Jesus, I come to find out that not only could he heal me, he could save my very soul. And I am thankful, I am grateful for what he did on the cross. I am thankful that you as a Christian thought enough of me and were bold enough to come tell me the truth of who Jesus is and not be ashamed to spread what you knew about him. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Lord, we repent for being ashamed of your gospel. We just know that we just need more of you so that we can be confident in who you are, so that we can go out and save this lost world by loving them into the kingdom, cajoling them, encouraging them, to come to Christ, because that's the answer, Jesus Christ. Father, we just thank you, and we thank you for this broadcast. We thank you for this Wednesday word. We thank you that this message will go around the world and shed more about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, and we love you for being there for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We thank you for listening today. This is Pastor Ted Payton, Grace Through Faith Worship Center, saying stay tuned for next week, the same time we will do it. And for those of you that listen to this on delayed basis or from the blog talk uh, archives, send it to someone. Send it to someone that don't know Jesus. Send it to someone that do know him. Send it to anybody. Just share it so that we can get the gospel out to the person that does not know who Jesus is. Thank you for listening. 
And again, Pastor Ted Payton, Grace Through Faith Worship Center, we will see you next week, the same day and time. In Jesus' name we pray. Good night, everybody. Bye now.